My message tonight is titled, Understanding the Assignment. Yes, I know that as, at a, as a 50 year old, you might think that I don't know that that's trending at the moment. I do find it quite funny that a few people are misusing understanding the assignment incorrectly when they post things. You shouldn't say of yourself that I understood the assignment. You don't take a picture and then comment on your fashion and then say, I understood the assignment. Somebody else got to say that about you. Can we just settle that? Okay, so I'm well researched for the evening service. Uh, over the last few weeks, we talked about steadfastness and then last week being spirit-led. And today I want to talk about baby steps and big strides under the heading, understanding the assignment. If you grasp the fundamental biblical principle that underlines this, it's going to make certain life decisions you think are hard actually become very easy. I'm amazed at how much tension there is in different stages of your life around things like, what career path should I choose? Does God want me to be an accountant? Or does God want me to be an architect or a scientist or a teacher? Or does God want me to become a preacher? What does God want? So much tension, so much anxiety about that. And then there's that anxiety, you know, who's the one? Uh, am I gonna choose the right one? Are all the good ones taken? Am I left with what's left over? You know, how do I change the ones that aren't the one into becoming the one? Can I mission date? Go find a pagan and bring him to church and turn him into a believer. Like all that anxiety and all that stress. And then you get past that stage of your life and you start doing well and you get into business or you own your own business and you start accumulating money. And then the question is like, am I allowed to be wealthy? How do I handle my wealth? Is it flexing when I buy a triple story house or you know, uh, own uh, a Mercedes or a whatever car you feel, your Porsche or your Tesla or whatever, whatever makes you feel excited. Maybe right now you're in a, you know, Tesla bicycle, but one day, one day, you're going to go from two wheels to four. And like, is that okay? And what's that all about? And uh, yeah, have it. Have as many as you want. Um, trust the Lord for it. Here's the thing. There is an underlying principle behind all of that that will answer all of those questions. You will choose the correct career path if you grasp this principle. You'll choose, choose the correct partner. You will choose the correct use of your resources if you grasp this one fundamental thing. And that is to answer the question, what are you doing here on planet Earth? And if we can grasp that we are here with an assignment, then everything fits into that assignment. And most believers get into trouble when they make decisions without connecting the decision to the direction or the purpose or the assignment that God has for our lives. Sometimes people get twisted about it and think, God sent me here to have a gift or to be gifted. Or God sent me here because I'm smart and I need to use my smarts. Or God sent me here and I'm good looking and I've got to use that for the glory of God. People who do that have a sense of giftedness and also, it's, you know, being good looking and saying so is also something you shouldn't have to say. Hey, somebody else must say it. Like, don't, don't post and go, you know, I mean, how good is God? You know, look at me. Don't do that. That's... 
And I, I, I love the idea that this strange concept that seems to be going uh, on uh, uh, at the moment that, that you know, I, what God sent me on this earth to do is to express my gifts or to discover my abilities or to fulfill. If you get the singular concept, it'll unlock all of those things. The assignment is clearly stated in Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, to this you were called. So they solved the problem. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Very simply, our ability to understand the assignment is whether or not we're able to follow in Christ's steps. That means he's our leader and we're the follower. If everything you do in your life, whether it is a career or a person or wealth accumulation or gift or looks or posts or whatever it is, if everything contributes towards you being a follower, it is approved by heaven. And if it distracts from your ability to be a follower, it's not good for you. And this is something that's so incredibly powerful and important because if we're not following, then we're leading or being led. And there's a principle there that's really important. You know, your heart can lead you. I mean, how many people said the heart wants? Ugh, what an annoying. You know, your heart's immature. You know, your heart's immature. Your heart's incomplete. Your heart, I mean, if you're 21, your heart's 14. Your heart's still getting there. You know, your heart could be broken. So if the, how can a broken heart want what the broken heart wants? That's outrageous. It's outrageous. If I took everything my heart wanted, I'd be as round as a beach ball, eating, eating. I walked past some of you earlier tonight. There you were sharing a lemon meringue and I, my heart said, you deserve it. But I just want you to know, you have to say no. We have to say no. I mean, not tonight. Tonight is Sunday. It's a cheat night. Not tonight. You can have your things. And tomorrow, you must be focused again on your things. But you can't choose, make life's choices that way. You've also got to stop making decisions and then asking God to bless your decisions. You see, that is a misunderstanding of the assignment. The assignment is to go to God and say, what path have you blessed for me? I will follow it. On that blessed path, I will find him or her. On that path, I will figure out the plan. On that path, I will discover what it is for, having to, for me to have an identity in Christ. The assignment is to follow. If something's too heavy that you can't follow him, drop it. If something's too hard, leave it. If you can't carry things and follow him, lay them at the feet of Jesus. Because if we're holding on to something that is too hard to carry and we lose sight of him, we will lose the opportunity for healing that thing that is so hard to carry. You've got to let go of things and pick up the right things. The assignment is following in the footsteps of Jesus. And Jesus gives us an example on how to go about doing that. It's very important then that we get our hand on, hands on 
a, a filtration system, if you will, so that we can figure out whether something is in an act of obedience in following after Christ. And so the first idea I want to share with you on, on how to grasp your assignment is to discover whether you are allowing yourself to become Christ-like. First principle is the filter of Christ-likeness. Do you know that do you know that sometimes God puts things in our lives with no other purpose except to make you a better believer? Man, have I been in circumstances that have pushed me to becoming a better believer. Circumstances like praying some things to go away and they won't. Have you ever done that? I mean, don't, like, not a person, like don't, like don't, I don't practice in the coffee shop, Lord, in Jesus' name, that one. Not the obstacle to, you know, the relationship you want to be in. If they're dating someone else, don't pray the other person away. That's wrong. I've had a lot of prophecies spoken falsely like that. Don't do that. But let me tell you how many times I've prayed for something, I'm sure you've experienced it, and asked the Lord to take it away, and He didn't. Because keeping me in it made me a better believer. Now, if you think that's not in the Bible, the, the Paul himself said, three times I prayed to the Lord that he would take away this thorn in my flesh. And he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Do you know, if he answered all my prayers when I asked him to, in the way I asked him to, I would get what I wanted, but he won't get what he wants, which is me being Christ-like. Is that a clappable moment? There was sort of a half a move here. Isn't it amazing that our prayer life seems to be about what we want? And we don't often ask, is that good with you? Is that what you want? What happened to not my will? Your will be done. And so I can't tell you how many times painful things, God let them linger. But I'll be honest, I became a better prayer warrior because of them. You know, everybody in my life has contributed something. Sometimes joy and sometimes an ability to pray. Sometimes happiness and sometimes the practice of love your enemies. <laughs> I used to make this joke and my father used to make the comment that everybody brought joy into his life. Some upon arriving... It's nice having a clever church because you just finished the sentence and others upon leaving. And if you haven't figured it out tonight, you'll get it. It'll come to you. It'll come to you. It'll come to you. You see, Christ-likeness is the assignment. This means what career path you should choose is not a function of whether God has pre-decided that you should be an interior designer and now that you are not, it means you've missed some sort of a heavenly purpose. No. If being that utilizes the gifts that God has called you and in the utilization of it, you're able to become Christ-like in your act of obedience or following, go for it. Heaven has no problem with your choices so long as they contribute to your Christ-likeness. On the other hand, if you've chosen a career path that could make you millions, but it's also making you an unpleasant person, let it go. It's, it's not a good idea. Because you get, uh, a full bank account is, is not a warm place. 
in an empty house. You can only look on it so many times on the app and then you need someone to talk to. No one wants to be in your house because you're nasty. But your bank account is full. I mean, there's a biblical term for that. Hey, what does it matter if you gain the whole world? Lose your soul. It's not God's purpose. So I love how some people say, you know, hashtag blessed. Okay, but just be careful that you're not hashtag blessing the BMW, but your character is not a blessing to somebody else. Blessed is the function of becoming Christ-like. So when I'm becoming Christ-like, I feel blessed. And I can become Christ-like in any room, in the wealthiest of rooms. Now, don't worry about that. And I love how people say, well, you know, uh, you've got to be careful, you've got to be humble. Uh, you know, sometimes God keeps you, you know, uh, uh, broken so He can humble you. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think God needs to use cruelty to create Christ-likeness. God uses love to create Christ-likeness. I don't think that we serve a cruel God who punishes us in order to make us better. I think that is a humanistic uh, attribute that we have cloaked God with. For it is the goodness of, and kindness of God that leads us to repentance, says Romans. It's God being good to us that teaches us how to be good. You don't learn goodness from anger. Don't learn it that way. Even therapy will tell you, if you grow up in anger, you adopt anger. If you want to become loving, learn the love of God. Learn the love of God. I want to encourage you that your assignment is anything that contributes to your Christ-likeness. Anything. Friends that contribute to it, church life that contributes to it, a career path that contributes to it, a hobby that contributes to it. If it makes you a better you, you know that pottery thing you saw on the clip? I actually physically made the thing. It wasn't just done for show. It's actually at my house. I'm going to bring it to Good Friday. And for, for a little while, I thought, you know, I could do this like as a little hobby maybe. I thought that would be cool, a little creative side coming out. And it's Matt's in-laws who own the studio that we went and, 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 and did it at. And I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, if I committed to that, it's going to be, it's going to be a character-developing process because you've got to be patient. I'm, I don't score high on patience. I don't. I'm the guy who stands and watches the microwave until it finishes. Like, oh, there's got to be a quicker way. Do this. I'm not patient that way. Perhaps I need something that creates patience. Because if I don't have a hobby that creates patience, or I don't have an act of worship that creates patience, or I'm not a tither that creates patience, then God's going to have to send me something else. A thorn, a messenger of Satan. I said to Vince, you know, I don't love singing this one part of the song. I want to be tried by fire. I don't sing that part. They can sing it. I'm not ready to sing that part. Emotionally, I'm just telling you, I've had fire. I want to sing songs about rain and water and Eden and fruits and growth and plants and stuff. I'm not... Because, you know, if you don't choose a life 
that creates Christ-likeness, then God has to choose a path that forges it. Because the assignment is Christ-likeness. That's the assignment. You know, you're here on earth because you're training for a future role in eternity and you're growing for a future character. You're in school till the day you die. Spiritual school. Please pass. Stop doing rewrites and repeats. You know what a rewrite is, right? Data guys, not a Christian. Gets you off the rails. You don't go to church. Breaks your heart. Come back. First test. Data, same, different, same guy, different, same guy. I mean, different name, same guy, same club, same thing, rewrite. Now you'll be failing the same test, same subject every year. And then you go to the Lord and say, Lord, what career path should I choose? And Jesus is like, can we go to the other test you keep failing? Don't try and trick me with must I be an architect or an interior designer or whatever? Can we just go to the test you're failing? Don't worry about the test you're passing. Because Christ-likeness is the assignment. I really want to encourage you. Think carefully about how to do that. 2 Corinthians 13 says this. Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know uh, yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified. If you could study this passage of Scripture, it would liberate you in incredible ways. You've got to get to know yourself as much as you're getting to know the Lord. Because I know how strong the Lord is, so I like to get to know that about Him. I know where I am weak, so I get to know myself too. I test myself. Have you made decisions and when you made them, you knew that was not an in-faith decision? wasn't an in-faith decision. Maybe it was an in-fear decision. Maybe it, was, maybe it was an in-weakness decision. Maybe it was an insecurity decision, but it wasn't in-faith. You've got to test yourself. Say, I know me. I mean, I know the Lord. He is mighty, but I know me. I know me. And don't impose your weakness on somebody else. Just know you and, and let, let Christ-likeness be forged in you. I know me. I know that if I'm not in worship, I get into a bad headspace. I know me. I know that if I am over-controlling, I get irritable and develop anger. So I know me. I know that when I don't read the Bible enough, and enough for me is enough to bring me into joy, then I get very serious, over-analytical, and critical. I know me. It has nothing to do with how powerful the Lord is. It's figuring out how to match my weakness to his strength. The Bible words it like this, for when I am weak, then he is strong. Do you know what that means? I mean, it's a very poetic thing. Here's what it means. It means if I'm not good in an area, then I must ask for the strong arm of the Lord there. Do you see what I mean? So for example, random idea, random idea. If you've got like an addiction to something, drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever, you see where you are weak? Now you've got to go to the Lord and you've got to say, I need strong parameters there. My computer has to be out in the open. The strongest 
you know, alcohol I can have is alcohol-free ginger beer from Willie's. And, and, and uh, you know, the strongest chemical or drug I can have in my house is Panado for kids. That is it. Those are my strong, do you see what I mean? Strong. Now, if you tell someone else, they're going to go, okay, you're just like, you're crazy or you're part of a cult. But for, for your weakness, that's the strength of the Lord in your life. Do, do you see? Where I am weak, He must be strong. I've got to be strong there. You understand what I mean? If you've got an addiction or a, if you're just really uh, broken in the area of sexuality, then, you know, you can't go anywhere with someone from the opposite. Like, you can't go to the movies. You can't, you've got to go have friends with you because you're just bad at that. You know, you cross lines all the time. So where you're weak, the strong arm of the Lord has to be your, why? Christ-likeness is your objective. Secondly, you've got, to, you've got to let the Lord cultivate character through fire. This is the part we didn't want to sing about, but the fire of character. That's the assignment. The assignment when I get to heaven is not that I accumulated earthly treasures. It's that I accumulated spiritual treasures. Do you remember the difference? Remember when God said that the streets are paved with gold, so don't bother accumulating it? Imagine you spent your whole life accumulating actual gold to get to heaven and took it with. Imagine if you could. And Peter's like, okay, paving. Uh, <laughs> you're in charge of the paving section. You can go and add your stone there. Why'd you bring that? But then there's another kind of gold the Bible says that is the way we build our lives, not with wood, hay and stubble, but with gold, silver and precious stones because the testing of it through the fire will produce its, its, its purity. Uh, you've got, you got, you got to become gold. And that happens in character. 1 Peter 4 says, uh, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering um, so that, uh, that, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Um, that first verse, part of the verse, seems very confusing. How do I rejoice in participating in Christ's suffering? Uh, it, it's not like participating in like a, a mock crucifixion or some sort of practical thing. It means that Jesus, although he was God, took on humanity in order to honor God. Somebody, Jesus is calling somebody right now. You've just received a warning from heaven. Your trial by fire begins. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I take that back lest some of you feel, oh, that was a curse. He, he, is, he is God, but even though he was God, he humbled himself as a servant and became as a man, emptied himself of his deity in order to accept his humanity, in order to live out his life to honor God. And one day we'll be seated with him practically, physically in heavenly places, but until then, you're here. And while you're here, you fight carnal things. And you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And you just got to do it and win because that's the assignment. And then thirdly, your assignment is to function in some sort of calling. Your career can definitely be a calling. But what it really is, is not only must I be Christ-like, that's the assignment. And not only must I develop the character of Christ, that's the assignment. But I must 
show the world Christ. That's the assignment. You know, if people can't see Christ in the thing, then you're losing an opportunity. I've been in rich homes and found no peace. And I've been in rich homes and found great peace. And I've been in modest homes where there was great peace. And I've been in modest homes where there was no peace. Do you know what the difference is? When you get that thing you've always wanted, the car or the house or the partner or the business you've always wanted, you stand at the beginning of that thing and you say, Lord, I dedicate this to you. I honor you with it. I want the peace of God to rule and reign. And when people ask me about it, I'll acknowledge your name in how this came about. And in my home, I want prayers to go up. I want children to hear, my children to hear about Bible stories. And I want my friends to feel comfortable with mentioning in the name of Jesus. If you do that, you will have understood the assignment. And God will bless you beyond all of your plans. He'll take your plans. He'll just multiply them. I want to encourage you tonight to recognize that the greatest calling in your life is not what you accumulate, but who you become. That the true assignment of every believer is to be a follower who cultivates the character of Christ and tells the world about the story of Jesus. And then if you do that, add anything to that that you want. You can add your own sauce, flavoring, and nature to it, and it would be blessed. It's not blessing the path. God blesses the person on the path. People keep asking the Lord to bless the path. Lord, will you bless this and that? And what he wants to do is make you blessed, to be a blessing, because he blesses the person, not the path. Have you ever found that a person can go on a rough path or a rocky road and still be blessed? And then you get some people who are on easy street and they don't feel blessed. It's the person that's blessed, not the path. And if you can get that right, you'll see a massive accumulation of God's blessings over your life. Tonight, I want to pray that you and I will accept the assignment on our lives of becoming Christ-like, building the character of Christ and expressing Christ to the world through a calling. And if you do that, watch what God will do. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Thank you very much, Vincent. I want to just take a moment. Um, I'm going to move around a bit. Sorry, camera people. I want to take a moment. If you've um, taken a step that now, in hindsight, you realize does not contribute to the path that God has laid for you. It doesn't contribute to Christ-like character. It doesn't contribute to a sense of calling or character. And you need to retreat from that and reboot. Let's just ask the Lord to release that over your life. You don't have to hold on to an unwise decision or an inappropriate action. You can just hit the stop button and say, Lord, I don't quite know how to turn this around, but you do. And I'm facing you now. I'm not facing anything else. I'm facing you and I'm following after you. If you do that, God will turn it around. 
Things won't settle that are not supposed to settle on you. Things will just want to bounce off you. You will become magnetic. Let me say something about being magnetic. It attracts the things in your life that God wants. It repels the things that are not supposed to be there. They just won't stick to you. And I'd love to pray that over your life. So, Lord, we thank you so much that your calling over us is so clear that we should follow in your footsteps. Thank you that you teach us not to make it complicated. We really don't need to do that. The simplicity of Christ-likeness, of Christian character, and of Christian witness. To really stand on that foundation, on those footings, and to acknowledge that so long as everything I do hits those three markers, it's good with you. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us you bless the person not the path. When you bless the person, they bless the path on the way as they go. Father, I thank You that tonight we're able to have turnaround moments when we've been at it in an incorrect way, even a sinful way. We can just repent, turn around, change our minds, face You and follow You and all those things will fall from our shoulders. And tonight, I thank you for turnaround moments in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you have got a shout of praise, worship and thanksgiving?